0: This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at
1: InfinitePotato.com
0: This episode of Cosmic Potato contains adult subject matter as well as some harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Isn't
2: it about somebody's favorite radio program attention
0: whoever you are this channel is reserved for emergency calls only do i sound like i'm wearing a Warner pizza hold on to your butt and here we go from the historic infinite potato studios this is cosmic potato the super fan talk podcast smoke and mirrors guys welcome to the movie factory
1: hasta la vista, baby
0: Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. And monkeys might fly out of my butt. Now. Only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray.
3: Sean. Shawn. Sean. Shawnee, you're feeling a little loose? Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame. And I've never been one to chase balls.
0: Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now?
4: Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome to cosmic potato the super fan talk podcast my name is sean ray and today i learned that the little boy in the tootsie pop commercial you know the one where he says how many licks does it take to get to the tootsie roll the tootsie roll center of tootsie pop that boy's name was buddy foster and he's the older brother of jody foster Man, he was he was all, he also played uh mike Jones in Mayberry RFD. So there you go. There's the connection. Uh, <laughs> joining me tonight in the historic Infinite Potato Studios is a plethora of patient participants, beginning with Rick. How are you, sir?
3: Clever quip.
4: <laughs> Neek is here as well. How are you?
5: Uh been better,
2: been worse.
4: <laughs> Virginia joins us tonight. How are you?
2: I'm doing okay.
4: And Scott is here as well. How's it going, sir?
1: Humorous non sequitur. All
4: right. We haven't haven't released a lot of episodes of this show lately. We're going to try and remedy that in the future. But tonight, we're going to talk about a topic that comes up in a lot of our discussions when we're offline. We haven't really talked about it on mic as much. So we're we've kind of shied away from doing an actual show about it, but we're gonna we're gonna get on it tonight. The reason that it requires us it requires us to talk about some things that aren't a whole lot of fun. So we're generally a show that talks about the latest Marvel movies or the best TV shows that we're watching. But over the last few years, there's been a trend in Hollywood where some bad uh, some bad things that celebrities do in their private lives are coming up to the surface and we've gotten to the time where things that might have been swept under the rug in decades past are actually getting exposed so uh what we've gotten as a result is something that's become known as cancel culture and the 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 discussion easily gets twisted into a political one uh, where people that fall into liberal and conservative camps want to disagree and they want to say, go woke, go broke and all that kind of crap, you know? And um, especially when polarizing figures like to chime in and drive the wedge in even deeper. But looking at it from a fandom standpoint, as people that like to consume the art, you know, the TV shows, movies and books and music and things like that, we're left deciding if it is respectful to the victims of the things that those people have done to continue reading or watching those things. So I will turn to our panel with a simple question just to start the conversation and get some examples about what we're talking about. Which celebrity that you're a fan of did something bad enough that made you question if you want to continue to consume their work? Scott, why don't we start with you?
1: It, the this entire topic has been something that I've been struggling back and forth in my head. How, how best to approach it on on this podcast? So I never came up with with a, with a proper answer, so I've resigned to feeling awkward. This entire conversation, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, because it's a sticky question. Um, but I, you, you started with something specific, so I'll I'll lead with that. Um, is there someone that has done something so bad that I have questioned whether or not to consume the media? And the first that comes to mind, it seems almost like it's like it's too easy a choice. But uh, for me, J.K. Rowling is probably right near the top of the list,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's it's almost like a gimme because it's not as though I consume a whole lot of harry potter uh media as it is i read all the books i never bothered to watch all the movies um i i i've never even been struck with with a a passing consideration for watching the fantastic beast movies um
3: that's a good choice
1: yeah (laughs) and and any of the um like any additional media that comes out and you know i i did not nor did i ever go and visit uh the pottermore website um whatever form the like unofficial sequel i can't remember the 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 name of it i think what did someone make a play out of
3: yeah the cursed child
1: the cursed child that um i think it was what like released in print form as like like yeah they put the uh, script out yeah. it was it was a script version yeah, yeah i yeah. i know it was released never considered going and reading that but uh the decisions of you know would i ever sit down and watch the fantastic beasts movies would i ever sit down and read the curse of child after reading uh the other seven books in the main series those questions become a lot easier uh viewing rolling now mm-hmm. it, that's it's the type of turn that makes it easy to not feel like i'm missing much because after we've all gotten a, a clear sense of like who she is a, as a person and more importantly like what her values are specifically it, you know, obviously we're talking about her her views towards uh trans people mm-hmm. it, if it's something that she has to say i don't really feel the need to to hear it anymore yeah. even if it's stuff that she's that she's written the closest i've come to anything that she's written lately is uh watching a uh youtube book review on uh, her latest non-harry potter uh i think like like mystery novel that she writes under a, a pseudonym which yeah. I, I find kinda humorous because considering her views on trans people and she writes under a male name pseudonym. Hmm.
4: Yeah, and it's also odd that she writes under a pseudonym, but then she just tells everybody, Oh, it's me. Yeah,
1: I mean. it, it, <laughs> it, it's no secret. It's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, guess I, what, Richard Bachman? We know who you are.
3: Okay. <laughs> I um I was a big fan of, of Harry Potter. Both my, my wife and I were she still is she she reads Harry Potter fanfic almost daily. Uh we we own all the books. In fact, the last two or three books came out after we got married and we would uh like roll dice or or draw cards or whatever to see who got to read the copy first when we got it. Um and I okay what first of all before i even go into this i am not in any way defending rolling but um i have a friend dave who is really good at pointing out when you've jumped on a bandwagon without knowing why and especially on this topic because i'll be like oh so and so is an asshole and he's like do you know him I'm like no well, well, so, you know, and then he he forces me to evaluate why I'm believing X about Y. And so in a probably to talk about to talk tonight, I decided I need if we're, we're going to talk about rolling. I had, you know, there was no doubt she would come up and I wanted to have some some solid quotes behind me as to why I don't like her, because. I used to love how she would take assholes down on Twitter. She could roast people like no one else could on Twitter. Uh and while I'm not saying that what where she is now is is necessarily right, if you if you look at the whole story, yes, she's kind of coming at it, you know, she's coming at it from the point of view that people saying that sex isn't real negates the experience that women, the, the 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 troubles that women have had historically, I am I am not the person to evaluate that particular viewpoint. But it looks a lot like she said some things along those lines and got piled on by. It may not even be the trans community. I you know one thing I've seen a lot of is people getting offended for other people Mm -hmm. and going, you know, you can't say that X group will be upset by it. And then you hear people in X group going, we don't give a shit. Um, But after that happened, it seems like Rowling just doubled down and went, oh yeah, well fuck all of you. And then just kind of went off the deep end.
4: Yeah. 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 It's one thing to have... An, opinion, an unpopular opinion is another thing to make other people feel shitty because of your opinion. You know?
1: Yeah.
4: Um, Virginia, what about you? Do you have a person um, that, that you were a fan of that um, you had to think about whether or not you wanted to continue being a fan?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, J.K. Rowling would be a, a current one. Um, like a more... I I discovered something about, I wouldn't say I was like the hugest Hitchcock fan, but I found out about his treatment of Tippi Hedren that pretty much put me off every Hitchcock film except for North by Northwest. And that's only because I love Cary Grant with all my heart and soul, but it was... It was too much. And I don't know if y'all are aware of that situation or anything like that.
4: I've heard stories of Hitchcock. I don't know if I've heard that particular story.
2: So the uh, the climactic scene of the birds, of course, is um, when Tippi Hedren, Miranda, Melinda, some anyway, her character is getting attacked by the birds and Hitchcock had told her, you know, come on set. Everything will be fine. They'll be all fake birds. No problem. She gets there, gets all set up. They bring in live chained bird and chain them to her. And they just peck at her relentlessly over the course of five days. And it's just like, and no remorse. He was just like, I just needed to get, I needed to get the shot. I need to get the shot. And that's what it took. And I'm like, that's kind of for me where it's like, "Mm, I can't separate that. If it's something like, oh, he cheated on his wife or whatever, like, okay, that's like an interpersonal relationship thing. That's none of my fucking business. But if you're actively harming people that are on your set that are kind of like your responsibility, that's really messed up. And it's literally scarred her, literally scarred her for life Mm
4: -hmm. and
2: put her off of Hollywood for the rest of her life. Like,
4: Something similar happened to- uh,
2: I cannot- haven't been able like there are a lot of hitchcock films like rear window great movie can't watch it
4: yeah something similar happened to, with uh, uh shelly duval and mm-hmm. stanley kubrick during the shining
3: kubrick it wasn't messed up it a wasn't a lot of people
4: yeah it wasn't as much physical as what you're talking about as it was uh just mentally scarring and really affected her for the rest of her life and and seriously damage your career too after that so um but yeah I mean the stories that I heard of Hitchcock are like uh if you ever if you've ever seen psycho when Norman Bates is looking at Janet Lee through the wall he's got like on his side of the wall it's like a great big hole and then it's like a little bitty hole on her side and it's um and the reason it, it's done that, like that is because he can kind of move around and he can see in her in her bathroom a little better and Hitchcock knew to do it that way because that's the way he did he did it <laughs> because he had holes in dressing rooms and stuff where he was looking at women while they were while they were changing and things but that's um, thing. yeah yeah um what about you Nick
5: I've never Um, I guess been a big enough fan of an individual artist to be that saddened to have to like let them go if you will but I also um, don't have that much trouble separating artists from the art because like if I like a work of art I'll still like it if I learn the person who made it has views I disagree with. I mean, it will color my judgment, and I mean, in a sense, like if I already dislike the art, and I learn the artist is garbage, it's almost like you know that's a, an excuse to further dislike their art. You know, like Picasso for me would be an example of that.
3: He's on my list.
5: <laughs> yeah, and and so it's a it's easy to avoid the art of an artist, you know, whose work you don't particularly care for. So, like another example would be like you know Woody Allen it's not a sacrifice for me to not see his movies. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, some of his movies, like Annie Hall or Hannah and Her Sisters, they're great movies. He's a talented filmmaker. But, like, the movies where his perviness is on display, Mm -hmm. so, like, you know, Manhattan, where he's, like, an old guy dating a teenager. And, like, I mean, I can't say if it's a good movie or not. I haven't seen it. Don't plan to. But my, my point is, like, a lot of the time these, you know, I was going to say bad actors, but I don't, not to be confused. I don't mean like actors. I mean, these people who do bad things, a lot of the time, their bad behavior is evidenced in their work, you know? So Hitchcock mm. is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Cosby, like he did stand up about roofing women. Yeah. So, and then we're all surprised that he did this. Like, no, like his, his misdeeds were on display, but... I'm not going to diminish the importance of the Cosby Show because that was uh, a touchstone for the '80s. It was an important was. show, and it it did a lot for black people at that time.
3: Mm-hmm. So
5: I'm not going to, you know, dismiss that contribution. You know, like *Weedon* may be problematic, but *Buffy* is still a good show, and I'm still going to watch *Buffy*. And so, obviously, for me, you know, my my biggest fandom is *Star Trek*, and I can't stand Roddenberry. Mm-mm. Um I was gonna bring that up too. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, you know, he was a misogynist. He sexually harassed, if not assaulted, women in his employ. So the episodes where this misogyny are on full display, you know, I will call out those episodes. I will call out those characters. And you know, for so for me, we discussed this on one of our Star Trek podcasts when you know there was a new actor portraying Scotty. And, you know, I called him out and I said, you know, I'm perfectly willing to give this particular version of Scotty a go, but I can't with the old Scotty from TOS. He was a piece of shit because he was written by people who were pieces of shit. And so I'm not going to defend, you know, those characters, writers, episodes, what have you. But I'm not going to dismiss the entire franchise Mm -hmm. because Star Trek Mm -hmm. itself has given me so much. So, the franchise goes beyond Roddenberry's influence, and that's true of, you know, a lot of these works of art. You know, and movies are the perfect example. Where there's these are huge productions; they're not on the shoulders of one person. So,
2: so I think you know, a good I, example is like um, the actors from Harry Potter coming out and saying, "Hey, like we we love the trans community, and if you identified with." with the work that we did or the the art that we made or whatever, don't feel like this one person can take down this whole experience, this community that y'all have because of this, you know, this one, like you're saying bad actor, but yeah, it's also hard to stomach giving her more money because, you know, she's willing to get money if you buy another book or. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing is like,
4: because Scott was saying a minute ago that, you know, he would, uh, uh, He didn't like J.K. Rowling, but he wasn't really that huge of a fan to begin with. He didn't really care that much about the movies and stuff. But what about when you've got somebody like, I'll use my daughter, for instance, because she's 22. Harry Potter has been around her entire life, and that was a big part of her childhood. I mean, she was as engrossed in Harry Potter as I've ever been in Star Trek, you know, and um and then stuff like this happens, and you know, when these the, the, these kids that have grown up with this are like, they're kind of torn. I don't want to give this person my money anymore. But at the same time, I really want to play this game that just came out because I love Hogwarts and I want to play around in Hogwarts, you know. So what 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 is your suggestion for separating that? You know, Will Wheaton um, uh, wrote a blog about this. And I wanted to read a quote because he was specifically talking about uh, Buffy and when all the stuff about Joss Whedon had come out, but he says, I believe that when some piece of art is deeply meaningful to a person, for whatever reason, that art doesn't belong to the person who created it. If it ever did, it belongs to the person who found something meaningful in the art. So what is your suggestion for someone that is struggling with something like that, that they, Maybe they are a trans person. Maybe they're a young person that that has just realized that they're trans or they just came out as trans or something. And they don't want to give JK Rowling their money, but they also really love Harry Potter.
3: What's use your suggestion
4: stores. for how to, how to yeah, use bookstores used uh yeah. but what about like when new movies come out, or what if their their friends want to go to Broadway and see the play or, or something like that? You know, they know that they're gonna give money to that person. Is there a way I, to I, do I that? Really wish not...
2: we, I really wish we had a trans person on this, show, like to see yeah, like what yeah. their opinion would be, because I genuinely don't know what the answer is.
1: Well, oh. Rick has brought up something like this multiple times. And I think this is a good time to, to make this reminder that with a lot of things like, like movies, for example, let's say that they, they decide to make another fantastic beast movie. How many are there? I don't know. I don't.
4: Well, they're about know. to come out with a series. They're like remaking
1: the series as a tv show of of course they are yeah um okay so (laughs) a a remade series and people let's say they they want to follow the series because they enjoy the property but they don't want to patronize the series because they don't like the creator and rick would likely point out hopefully i'm not misquoting you they've already gotten paid so by consuming this media you are not putting money directly into their pocket they've already gotten paid and they will have been paid whether you watch it or not and if you can get some enjoyment if you can connect with the material then you don't necessarily have to deny yourself the joy that you will get from the from the media just because you don't want to feel like you're giving money to the person that you don't like because you're not giving them money. They already got it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, That's not a, I mean, yes, that's, that's sort of what I've been saying, but not exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, with the, the, when that came up, we were talking about the enders game because you, you didn't, you didn't ask me, uh, i had anyone but if you don't mind if i jump in with one yeah. that was really important to yeah me. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, he, he's on my list too rick <laughs> uh orson scott card was one of my favorite authors uh in my 20s uh i read all all of the enders books of the ender books uh enders game and speaker for the dead and Xenocide, and children of the mind children of the mind thank you um, ender in exile I didn't, uh, I, didn't I I had stopped by that point. <laughs> yeah. Those came later. Um and I knew I knew that card was a fundamentalist and and a, a Mormon or yes. Yeah, Mormon. Um but it really didn't didn't come through in his writing so it didn't bother me. Uh, but and and this is where I have learned to draw the line because this subject is something that I think we talked about in our very first year of Starbase 66 was one of our first somewhere in our first 10 shows, maybe even been like in the first five shows is separating the art from the artist. And I've been struggling with this concept for a very long time. And I've kind of finally learned that my line is between, you know, if somebody's an asshole, me, eh, all right, fine. They're an asshole. If I still like they were like HP Lovecraft, HP Lovecraft, even by the people at the time was like, this dude's a real dick uh but as far as I can tell, he never did anything directly to harm anyone other than just being a white supremacist and hiding it in the in the in the veil of the horror that he wrote and when it when it's when it when it's when it comes out it's so blatantly stupid that you know I don't know I it it's you know lovecraft was was scum, but he wrote some really he had this really cool writing style anyway. But people like Sean Connery, who beat the hell out of his wife and went and, and said in an interview with freaking Barbara Walters that it's yeah, every now and then you got to slap a woman around because you know they don't listen. I was done with him. Uh, Louis C.K loved him. I used to lo- he, uh, no one made me laugh like he did until it turns out that he's a freaking perv who would force women to watch him masturbate.
5: Another that is not a big another huh? perfect example of someone whose TV show had all his priviness on full display it was there yeah. to be perceived
4: yeah pretty much
3: <laughs> yeah I never I never saw the show I just I just had listened to his his stand-up
4: I've um, watched I've watched a few I watched a few episodes recently because it came up while I was researching all this so I went back and watched a couple episodes of Louie and yeah he talks about masturbating a lot <laughs> on that show <laughs>
5: I mean, he full-on stalks a woman in one of the episodes. Yeah,
3: yeah, he did. He followed her all the way home. Yep. But Orson Scott Card, who wrote some amazing science fiction, also actively used his fame and fortune to fund the anti-gay marriage movement in, in the United States. And that's where I that's where I really draw the line is when somebody uses their fame and fortune to actively harm people. That's when I'm like I don't care how great your art is. I want nothing to do with you do with you ever again and I will never recommend the Ender books to anybody unless, you know, unless like yeah, get it from a from a used bookstore. But Orson Scott Card will never get another dime from me. I know it won't matter to him. I will never buy enough to make even the slightest blip on his radar. But it may, you know, it's just like Chick-fil-A. I won't eat at Chick-fil-A because they actively work against LGBTQIA people. Do they, you know, does does my 40 or 50 bucks I might have spent a year on Chick-fil-A matter to them? Not one bit. But it matters to me. And it matters to... all of my LGBTQIA friends who are like, you know, if you go to, if you, if you eat at Chick-fil-A, you're, you're basically condoning them. And I don't disagree with that. And so I don't, I I also, but also like Scott with with the Harry Potter stuff. I never liked Chick-fil-A anyway. <laughs> I only went for winter because <laughs> my daughter liked the playground.
1: I n- literally never had a bite of their food.
5: It's, but I, but I think Rick, what you bring up is, is the emotion of the thing. And and that's basically the answer of like, you know, do you support the thing? Do you go watch the movie or whatever? How does it make you feel to do so? You know, do you feel sick to your stomach if you you go watch the movie or whatever? Or are you able to like to be okay with it within yourself? Because, you know, that whole thing of like, you know, I don't want to give them money and like well they've already got the money yeah but if you go see the movie then you're sending the message that you're okay with them doing that bad thing even if yeah. they don't use their money to support whatever uh political action you disagree with yeah so i mean but, it, it really does just come down to how you feel about it
4: yeah where do you where do you i'm not asking I, i'm not like specifically asking anybody this but where do you draw the line because There are some actors like, for instance, uh, Alec Baldwin, Mel Gibson that are have done some horrible things, but I can still watch Alec Baldwin on a show. I can still watch a Mel Gibson movie and I can not not really see the stuff that they've done. But there's other people that have done things like uh, Kevin Spacey, uh, Bill Cosby, stuff like that, that I can't. Watch, I tried to watch Glenn Gary Glenn Ross uh, a while back because it's one of my fa- it's one of my favorite movies. Kevin Spacey was one of my favorite actors, and I can't watch him anymore because every time I see him, I just think, you know, he tried to rape a fourteen year old boy, you know, and that's that's not okay, you know. So there's some things that I can't look past, and I can't enjoy that that I can't enjoy Kevin Spacey movie anymore, you know.
3: Um, I used to use. Mel Gibson's Hamlet in my classes all the time because I think it's one of the best film adaptations of Hamlet. I don't think Gibson ever did anything terribly harmful other than just being an asshole. But I just, yeah, I, I don't feel right showing his movie in my class anymore. And and that's kind of that's that's especially as someone in the arts, uh, I have a problem trying to find that line because, like you said, like I think Nikki said this earlier: no movie or TV show is one person. Mm-hmm. Uh uh an example that, that's um uh Star Trek continues is probably the best Star Trek fan work ever made. Uh it it's it's basically season four uh of tos uh and it was created by vic mignona and the detail in it is staggering i've been to the set it's the sets are in georgia i've been to them they are incredible and
4: hmm? i interviewed vic on the prime direction direction i
3: I almost i almost i had him on my show a couple of times and we just couldn't get together um Dozens of people volunteered their hundreds of hours to make this show. And it's really good. I have a lot of trouble with fan stuff because a lot of time, you know, the 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 enthusiasm there is there. The love is there. The talent is not. Uh, the, the
1: reach ex- exceeds the grasp in exactly. a lot of fan productions.
3: Uh, but Star Trek Continues is, is an amazing work of art. But then it comes out that Vic is a perv. Vic is a, a serial abuser. He is... He is not a good person. And it just, it just, oh, it so infuriates me because so many people did so much great work. And this one person has tarnished all of it mm-hmm. because he thinks he's able to just reach out and touch literally anyone he wants.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wanted to touch on that. I wanted to talk about the, um, the the other people that work on stuff because a lot of times you have a show that is centered on one person the cosby show seinfeld you know home improvement they're they're centered around one person and the show is kind of built around them so like on the cosby show there was uh there was a lot of other actors on that show and uh, Jeffrey Owens is a is an actor who on the Cosby Show he played Elvin, which was uh, Sandra's the oldest daughter's husband, and he had some very funny scenes on the Cosby Show. But um, he was several years ago he was uh, he was working at a Trader Joe's like cashier. You know, bagging groceries. He was still acting because he shows up on stuff. Like you you see him on Law and Order sometimes as like a doctor or something like that. And um uh actually I saw him on something the other day that's like new. I just I can't remember what it is now. But anyway, um so he he was seen at Trader Joe's, somebody took his picture and he was just like trying to make ends meet because you know, he he Trader Joe's is a is a job that he can uh he can schedule around his other work when he goes to do auditions and things like that. And he's trying to make ends meet because the Cosby show, when Cosby got canceled, or not when it got canceled because the show, I mean, Cosby the person when he got canceled, uh, because of what he did. All these cable networks took it off the air. The Cosby show had been on the air since it came out. And like anytime you turn on the TV, just about you could find an episode of the Cosby show somewhere. And every time they show an episode of the Cosby show, residual payments would go out to all these actors. And the residual payments back then were a lot more than they are now, because with streaming and stuff, they might get a residual payment of like a few bucks or whatever. But they used to get checks in the the middle.
3: Part of what the strike.
4: Yeah. They used to get checks in the mail for 1500 2000 dollars stuff like that regularly and they were able to use that money to supplement their income while they're going and trying to find other work and stuff. Well, that stopped because that show got taken off of all these cable networks. Nobody was showing it anymore. You can't find it anywhere. And uh and so he's not getting those checks anymore, so he had to go to Trader Joe's and stuff like that. So you got a lot of actors that put a lot of work into these shows earlier in their career in the eighties and the nineties. And now they're not able to make money off of it anymore because of something that this one person did.
5: Yeah. And that argument doesn't move me that much because like, that's a show from like, whatever, like 40 years ago, if you're still depending mm-hmm. on residuals from something from that long ago, like get your yeah. shit together. Like no <laughs> shade, no shade to working as a cashier. That's a perfectly respectable job. Like, Like I, you know, you you shouldn't be depending on money from something you did that long ago, and so I think it's perfectly reasonable for a TV show from forty years ago to no longer be on the air, regardless of whether or not any individual in it, you know, is canceled on for personal reasons. Yeah. Okay.
4: Um, What about what about the um, the people that? do things that get canceled like we were talking about Rowling is it is it easier when it's somebody from behind the camera than somebody that's like you don't have to see jk rowling you don't woody allen is in some of his movies but he's not in all of them so uh if it's somebody that's behind the camera is it easier to look past it and just continue on and and carry on than if it's somebody that's just Kevin Spacey is right there in your I face think, every time you watch a Kevin Spacey movie.
5: I think we've sort of already answered this question by the examples we've given that it depends. For whatever reason, you can't handle Kevin Spacey, but you can handle, I mean, I don't know, whoever else. Like, you know, for me, I can still watch a Tom Cruise movie, even though I think Tom Cruise, the individual, is a garbage person. Like, you know, any Scientologist to me, is going to be a piece of crap. But, like, I'll still, you know, I'll still go see a movie that one of them is in because, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. And it really does just come to, Again, like, for whatever reason, there are certain actors, I just don't like them, and I don't like to see their work. I'm not going to not see something because of one individual, but, you know, I, I might... You know, when they're on screen, I'll be like, oh, I don't like that guy. But, you know, I, I'm able to com- compartmentalize and just see the character rather than the actor. You know, it's it's tougher with some people than others. But, yeah, again, it just comes down to emotion. It's like some people rub you the wrong way and other people not as much. And, you know, we're all just human and, and it's not necessarily rational.
2: Yeah. It's just, and it, it's, like, it's completely just... dependent on, well, not completely, but largely dependent on life experience. If mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, really negative interactions with, you know, men sexually harassing me, if I hear about, you know, actors or directors sexually harassing the people that work for them, that's going to affect me way stronger yeah. than absolutely. may, yeah, you know, someone Exactly. Else.
5: It comes down to your personal triggers. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like with Whedon, you know, when, when. Charisma Carpenter's story came out about how awful he he was to her Uh, and her castmates. While none of them really said, yeah, a lot of them were like, "Mm, yeah, Um, I was ready to write him off. But then the more I looked into it and maybe this is just a result of this is becoming such a, you know, so much more in the spotlight that now we're looking at degrees of, how awful a person is i you know from what i've been able to gather i don't think joss whedon is any worse than freaking stanley kubrick and in fact kubrick was a raging douchebag to the people he worked with
5: well here's the thing you do not become a high powered hollywood director if you are not a raging narcissist yeah you do not become the ceo of a massive corporation if you are not a piece of shit that is a fact there may be some exceptions out there i'm sure there exist plenty of people in this world who have achieved massive success and are very high powered who have somehow managed to maintain their good graces and are still good people but i think (laughs) that it's it's more a case of like you know Again, I'm going to use the word narcissist. People who are you know clinically narcissistic who do not care about others, who do not have empathy. It is easy for them to rise the ranks because they don't care about who they're stepping on. Yeah. And so they become high powered and then they continue to treat people badly. Like even if they don't do anything, you know, technically criminal. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, we didn't maybe never raped anyone. But of course he was a piece of shit. Of course he was. All directors, every time you hear about any director, it's about them being like horrible and just mean. But I mean, I've worked in jobs where that's how the bosses were. They were awful. Mm -hmm. And because you don't become a CEO of a significantly large corporation without having that personality. And so if you're going to write off one of these directors, you got to write them all off. Because I guarantee they're all doing it, even if we've only heard the stories of like fifty percent of them.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure if we've heard everything about Whedon because uh, the uh, the actress that played Buffy's uh, little sister on Buffy, Michelle
5: Trachtenberg. Yeah, she said things as well. Yeah,
4: yeah, and she she said that she was told back then, don't be in a room alone with him. So it's not. I mean, James Gunn, you know, is the same thing. You know, he. But but as far as I know, nobody was afraid to be in a room with him.
3: I'm not defending gun at all. I'm, oh, I'm amazed that yeah, he, he's, was just, he, did some he was just stupid stuff when he was, he was younger. He said some yeah. really <laughs> shitty things online when he was a lot younger. But I'm not so sure he did anything. He was just, you know, kind of Howard Stern level of disgusting jokes online and Yeah. Yeah, you going to get some up.
1: attention and clicks because it's so edgy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: but then you've
4: got you you've got a lot of people that have done things that um you get a group of people behind them that supports them and makes them even more even more successful than they were before. Like uh uh, uh Jason Aldean, you know, they a couple months ago. I don't know if you guys he's a country music singer, and he came out with a video a few months ago. Um, that the 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 song that the video was about was not that big a deal. It was called, they had some lyrics. that was like, try that in a small town, you know, that kind of stuff.
3: Oh, that and, kind uh,
4: okay. Yeah. And then, but then the video came out and there was, um, there was a lot of, he used a lot of footage from Black Lives Matter riots and stuff like that in the video. And then he filmed, and then he was filmed like standing in front of a courthouse where a lynching had taken place in history. You know, which that spot has been used in other videos and stuff. But when you put it in that video, you're saying try that in a small town and you've got Black Lives Matter images and the same thing, you know, it brings it brings a lot of attention. And then you but then at the same time. So liberals want to cancel him. But then the conservatives come, but no, 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 you know, and 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 he and he's he's still selling out
3: arenas, and you know, so all right, I, I I'm I, so- I haven't said anything yet, but I really have a problem with this this concept of cancel culture, just in general as a term. But nobody calls it canceling when the conservatives go out and start shooting their their coolers because they don't like what the company just did or burning. Oh, yeah, I all of this crap, <laughs> but when a celebrity does some shitty thing and people say, well, we should, we shouldn't watch them anymore. Suddenly it's cancel culture. And I really hate that term.
2: Well, and uh, something else that I was going to point out to is like, especially kind of, kind of in that same vein is like more like comedians, like Louis CK and, and maybe like Bill Cosby or whoever, when they, Then come out later and say, you know, have a new stand up or a new joke or whatever. And people are not into it. We are just doing that. You are just canceling me. Like, maybe I just don't like your shit. Like, I'm not required to like what you put out. I'm, you know, this is Well, it's like you you don't you're not uh, entitled to me consuming your stuff. Like, yeah.
3: And and was it cancel it. culture when the Dixie Chicks got shit on because they?
4: Well, it wasn't called that back then, and it's a it, that's a that's a that's a new a newer
3: term. Well, the, and that but well, that's my and, and point is, is when conservatives p- do it, it's just outrage. But when liberals do it, it's cancel culture, and it's right up there with woke. Woke is a good word. I'm proud oh, yeah. to be woke.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem um, with it. No. Um, and
2: I think it depends a lot on the on the person's response as well because like the now the chicks are are a great example like people came to them and said hey like this dixie thing maybe this isn't such a great idea anymore and they're like you know what like we looked at the you you make an excellent point it's historically like not a good look like let's let's get rid of it now they're the chicks dolly parton did something similar with one of the shows at her um dollywood and it's like these are the kind of people who the Dixie like,
4: stampede. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They like listen to the feedback of the people who are effective, like take it into consideration and then make changes. If That's like the kind of person that they are. And they don't tell people like, you know, go fuck yourself. And if they do, don't get pissed that I'm not listening to your music or going to your theme park or whatever.
4: Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a, a, a country band called, they were called like the antebellum. Mm-hmm. And they've recently changed their name. They're just Lady A now, you know. But I was going to say that's a um, whole
2: other thing because there was a black singer called Lady A, and then that became a whole thing. And so, yeah, that,
4: yeah, that's remember. also
2: somewhat problematic. <laughs>
4: um, I I heard an interview with Jerry Seinfeld, uh, uh, and it's it's an older interview. It it came out uh back when the Louis C K stuff first happened because Jerry and Louis are friends. Louis used to open for Jerry when he was younger. And uh, he said, "Look, Louis' punishment is going to be that nobody's going to be able to look at him without thinking of that." And he's right because Louis C.K. is still a successful comedian. He's still um, he's still appearing to like sold out crowds and stuff, but he's not going to be hosting Saturday Night Live again. He's not going to have a TV show again. You know, it's not. Not the successful show that he had before, you know. So his career is not going to be the happened.
2: same. Stranger yeah. things have
4: happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, LeVar Burton, I, I had a quote from him too because he was interviewed about this. He was talking about Dr. Seuss. He said, Theodore Geisel, is that how, you, is that how Geisel, you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Geisel. Yeah. He said, is responsible for generations of wholesome healthy, wonderful, imaginative, creative content for children of all ages. And so I think we need to put things in perspective in terms of cancel culture. I think it's misnamed. It's a misnomer. I think we have a consequence culture and the consequences are finally encompassing everybody in society, whereas they haven't been ever in this country. Yes. So,
3: yes, I agree with that.
4: Because I mean, it goes back further than Bill Cosby. I mean, it, it goes all the way back to you know, L. Frank Baum was a raving racist, um, um, and then more recently, you, you know, like uh, Barbara Walters told Corey Feldman that he was damaging the entire industry because he was coming out and talking about the molestation Concilia, and stuff that was happening yeah. in the in the in the eighties when on his films and stuff like that. Um, and so, I mean, I've got a whole list of people that have been, you know, done away with over. T- but I'm not going to read up, read off the list. I just <laughs> wrote them down to kind of, kind of refer to as we went. But um, I think that's our conversation. If you guys have anything else you want to add,
3: well, I just I think I you know having people held responsible because especially people who are who have the bully pulpit. You know, mm-hmm. what they say has consequence, has effect, affects millions of people. You know, it, it. it's maybe trite, but with great power comes great responsibility. And if you've got the ear of the nation and you're a raging douchebag with it, then you should be ignored. And I'm glad to see that there are consequences.
4: Yeah yeah it's good like i like i said at the beginning in the in decades past this kind of stuff would just get swept under the rug you know uh there were lots and lots of producers and directors that were doing the same kind of stuff that harvey weinstein was doing but um it finally we finally got to a point where it was just enough is enough you know and uh and, and people finally started speaking out about it. People are just, I mean, especially in that in that culture in in Hollywood, when people are trying to build their careers, they're they're afraid to, you know something happened to you. you uh, somebody did something to you and you're afraid to say anything about it because you don't want to be labeled as this and and it affect your career going forward. When you're young and you're trying to start your career, you're a young young actress going to Hollywood. And you got a meeting with Harvey Weinstein, you think, oh, this is going to launch my career. And then he rapes you or whatever. And then you're afraid to say anything because you don't want to be labeled as this, you know, because, well, this is probably what happens to every actress that comes in his office. You know, this is the casting couch, you know, kind of thing. And uh, and it's good that it's finally, you know, in the spotlight and, and it's and it's being seen for what it is. Um.
1: Anybody else? I was yeah. looking for an, an opening to mention that I just think Quentin Tarantino is a is a creepy, icky
3: mm-hmm. piece of shit.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, on on multiple levels, both in his work and uh, personally, like in in interviews and whatnot. But I, I that's not it's not an example of trying to separate the art from the artist because in in this case it's it's all the same it's what he makes and who he is put it all together and i i i don't like any of it
3: mhm i was i was i mean it's it's no secret i'm not a tarantino fan i've been quite vocal about that over the years but uh a couple of years ago i found out that he he hurt uma thurman Mm-hmm. in in kill bill uh she was he made her do a stunt she didn't want to do and he talked her into it and it was it was a car thing and the car went off the road and she her back has never been the same since so he's he's and another one later. of those directors who will abuse their people to get I wanted the right reaction. Well, so it's like he, I he said,
5: I I think all directors or yeah. you know, ninety percent are like that. Like just because you know, Weinstein got caught doesn't mean that all the other producers are not still doing this stuff.
4: He choked she, an actress until she, she passed out. I can't he remember what the actress came
2: out and said, like, oh yeah, it wasn't a big deal. And part of me wonders like is it really not a big deal? Or is it like the shadow of Quentin Tarantino destroying your career is looming over you. And so yeah. it's not really a big deal kind yeah. of situation. Cause it's not
5: allowed to be a big deal. And, and I'm certain that, you know, these abuses are continuing to this day.
4: Diane Kruger is the actress and it was on the set of the uh, inglorious bastards. bastards. Yeah. They were, um, she was supposed to get choked in one scene and the camera was supposed to be on her face while she was being choked and he didn't like the way it was being done or whatever. So he just, he choked her until she passed out
1: mm. for the shot. It, you know? It, well, I, that I, I don't, I don't buy it that I don't buy it. Everything that I, everything that I've seen about Quentin Tarantino says that he will say we're filming the scene and and you know, he'll, he'll say that he, he wanted the shot to look a particular way. And that would require the, the actress to, to actually be physically choked in the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, it's, there's a, an element of risk to it. So he didn't want anyone else to be responsible. So he was going to be the one to do it. So it's his hands in
3: mm-hmm. the
1: shot. And I, I will bet all the money in my pocket that the real reason is because he wanted he wanted to do it not because he thought it was going to be the safest thing the most responsible no he he wanted to choke her yeah the same reason as in one of the kill bill movies during a fight scene when uma thurman has like a uh like a a a ball on a chain around her neck and so in in that portion of the fight scene she's being choked he was the one that was pulling the chain to get that choke effect because I, if we're being honest about it, there is a look that you get from actually being choked that can't just be replicated by by faking it. And he wants the real look. So that's another instance where he's going to choke someone on set under the cover of because I wanted to look a particular way and it's my responsibility. I don't want anyone else to be on the hook for it. But under the surface, he likes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah the same way that he likes feet and there are so many shots of feet in all his movies and from ducks from dusk till dawn you have Salma hayek putting her foot in his mouth and then pouring whatever the drink was down her leg yeah what a surprise he wrote that movie and he wrote himself the part that gets a foot in their mouth he did it because he wanted to do that it wasn't for the movie it was for himself no one will ever convince me otherwise. With defeat, with choking for whatever else, the movies that he makes, there's a large element of, I'm going to do this for myself because I will take pleasure from this later. Yeah, and yeah. it's under the and and I'm sure that he also gets a a bit of a a bit of a rush from knowing that his own personal titillation project is out there being widely consumed as media
4: mm-hmm. yeah all right
1: puke puke, <laughs> puke.
4: <laughs> okay um well i think that's enough of the heavy stuff for one show we'll we'll cleanse their palate and i promise that next time we'll talk about something much more pleasant but i think it's it's important to take a minute and talk about the th- this is something that sometimes when we finish a show, you know, this topic keeps coming up. So I thought, you know, eventually, you know, we need to do a show about this, you know, so, um, panel, let everybody know what else you work on and where they can find those things. Rick, what about you?
3: Uh, you can find me on that Star Trek podcast and moon show and, uh, show. uh, show. <laughs> uh occasionally on captain game show. And I would like to plug something that not that we did, But that was that was released uh, yesterday. Um, Sorry, it's hard. Kind of hard to talk about. Um, Y'all, y'all. I think most of you have met Boz at some point or another. Neek, I don't I don't think maybe never did. did. No. Um, Boz, if you don't know, folks, was a a very dear friend. uh, One of my podcasting friends from back all the way back in the Simply Syndicated days who was sadly taken from us very suddenly, uh, back in May. Uh, but one of the things that Boz did that brought him the most joy in life was he was a movie maker. He worked with a lot of independent, uh, filmmakers over in England, uh, behind the scenes. He was, he was occasionally on camera, but he was mostly, he, he just loved building sets and helping with makeup and camera work and, uh, you know, all everything. Uh, and, right up until the accident he was raving about this movie he had worked on which was a star wars fan film called sanctuary moon which was a star wars horror film uh because boz loved horror more than any other uh, if you ever listened to his his uh his podcast uh little shop of horrors him and him and gordon little
1: little uh, pot of horrors
3: little oh, pot yeah. of horrors sorry thank you little pot of horrors i do that all the time um boz loved horror he loved horror films the the more gruesome the better uh and sadly i don't think he lived to see this but it came it finally was released yesterday it's only 12 minutes long uh but it's wonderful uh and there there's a very beautiful and heartbreaking tribute to him at the end of it so it's called sanctuary moon it's on youtube uh i highly highly suggest you watch it it's 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 really well done uh like i said it's only 12 minutes long it's not a huge investment of your time but um it was it was his the last film he he worked on and it it he would have been really proud of how it came out okay yeah yeah
4: all right nick what about you
2: oh i've got to follow that eh <laughs>
1: <laughs> no pressure
5: <laughs> <laughs> well you could stay right here on the infinite potato alliance and listen to moon show, moon show. A for all mankind podcast and you can go to my website superanemic.com to read my star trek recaps where i will take roddenberry to task
3: you do <laughs> but you let d- you let d philippus off the hook this week i was shocked <laughs> <laughs> i
5: i think i wrote that one before I had my argument with him. Um. <laughs> I don't recall. But like,
4: yeah. I'd like to see I'd like to see you do recaps of for all mankind on there too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I had the time.
4: <laughs> Virginia, what about
5: you?
2: Um you can also find me here on the Infinite Potato Alliance network um at Wait You've Never Seen or Wait You've Still Never Seen actually, where um currently I'm alternating between uh episodes covering Doctor Who in Riversongs timeline order with my co-host Zane, and then having a variety of co-hosts, just other shows to fill in the time gaps because our schedules are sometimes a little wonky. So variety, yay.
4: And then the new Doctor Who starts next weekend. Next or, weekend already. Or I say starts. It's a special. So they're coming out with a special next weekend. <laughs> I'm
2: excited. The, uh, the first,
4: the, I, think, I think it's set. the first of four.
1: F- three. Three? Okay. Three, I'm almost I'm almost certain it's three. Yeah. Three,
4: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scott, what about you? Uh
1: you can find me as the host of that Star Trek podcast here on the Infinite Potato Alliance. Uh, and also some other places, but I have somehow forgotten all the other places that I appear. So I guess you'll just have to listen to everything on the network. <laughs> if if you want to find me you'll have to listen to all of it um but if you don't want to listen to me then you can visit my website at www.planetrisecreative.com and you can see the graphic artwork that i do for fun and profit
4: all right and you can hear me right here and uh and over at occasionally on that star trek podcast and we are going to soon be doing a uh, a retrospective. We're not going to cover all of the Orville. We're going to uh, hit the highlights. We're going to do three or four episodes from each of the three seasons to kind of tide us over until Discovery starts sometime early in 2024. And they're supposed to start filming uh, the next season of Strange New Worlds in December. So hopefully mm-hmm. that'll be out by summer or fall of next year or something like that. So in the meantime, Yeah. In the meantime, we'll, uh, we've got the, we've got the Orville and we've got some, and when we get done with that, we'll do some more classic episodes of star Trek. But as far as this show, uh, we're going to, we're going to continue. We're not going to, the show's not going to be coming out every week. Like it was in the past, but you know, um, maybe once a month we'll come out with, uh, with an episode talking about something or another. Yes, Scott, you have your hand up.
1: Um, One thing I forgot to play, I I suddenly remembered one thing that I appeared on, um, which at the time of recording this podcast, it has not been released yet, but it is a show in production. uh, And Neek, I'm roping you in on this too. um, As Neek and I appeared as panelists on a new upcoming show here on the network, What's Your Head Cannon, hosted by The Other Madison. Greater, lesser, you decide. My very own brother, Tom. My big brother has his very own podcast. He's growing up. (laughs) What's your headcanon soon to premiere here on the network uh, where he, as the host, will uh, pose a question connected with a uh, particular franchise or, uh, or, or theme. And the panelists are to come up with their headcanon to explain it. And then we will vote believable, not believable, up, down. It's it's fun, it's fun. It's not necessarily a long form podcast. The episodes that we've done so far have been relatively short.
5: Yeah, um, quick and if, dirty, in and out. Yep,
1: quick and <laughs> ooh, neat. <unique. laughs> um, but if it does follow the uh, Captain Game Show model, it it will uh, it will evolve into longer and longer episodes as time goes on.
4: Alright, uh, thank you all for listening We'll be back very soon So join us next time on Cosmic Potato The Superfan Talk Podcast When you might hear John say Something I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say After he listens to this episode <laughs>
5: Probably,
3: we're all wrong
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram This conversation can serve No purpose anymore
3: Goodbye you
0: can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. I'm
3: afraid going to leave without giving you a goodbye
0: kiss? Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. Or support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard.
5: And you stole it from a
0: movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com.
1: Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast today.